If you have your Bibles this morning, open with me to the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 12. And together, we're going to pray and then dive in and see what the Lord would have for us today. Before we do that, I just want to say thank you real quick to all the guys that serve in the band. But not just that, um, all of our hospitality team, our greeters, our prayer team, uh, you guys are so valuable. And we don't say it enough, but I just want to say thank you uh, for serving Jesus and making people feel welcome and uh, serving in all kind of capacities. So if you serve in any way, I just want to say thanks this morning. Let me pray for you, and then we'll get into the Word. Father, you are definitely the greatest of all time. Lord, when we think about the depth of your love, the in incredible mercy that you poured out on Calvary, when we, God, Lord, it seems so repetitive, because every week, every week we come to you, Lord, and we, we want to thank you for the cross, Lord. We want to thank you for the gift and the sacrifice that was given there, God, so that we might have life and life to the full, God, Lord. It seems repetitive, and God, Lord, it is, because you're amazing. Lord, in your cross, Lord, let it be fresh on us, God. Lord, let it be a daily repetitive thing in our lives to where we are continually overwhelmed by the cross, Lord. Continually overwhelmed by what you did and the sacrifice that you gave. Lord, it blows my mind. And I pray together collectively as a church, as a family, God, we would be just completely overwhelmed. Completely blown away. That you would love us, God, Lord, that you would pursue us and that you would change us forever for your namesake and your glory. So my prayer this morning, Jesus, my prayer as we approach this text is that you would soften our hearts. God, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive from you this morning, Jesus. I know, Lord, that this room is filled with people who... It's very easy, God, Lord, including myself, God, that our minds and our hearts are sometimes heavy, sometimes thinking of other things, God, sometimes distracted even by the enemy, Lord. So I pray this morning, God, that you would eliminate the distractions. God, Lord, I pray this morning that you would engage our hearts. And Lord Jesus, I pray that this text would come alive to us, that we would be reminded that we're your sons and daughters. We love you for it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Are you just, is anybody just glad, like glad to be here this morning? Just glad. Man, I, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have a place that we can come and focus in on and think about the incredible truths of God's word. So let me, let me pick us up from where we were last week. When we finished, we were talking, and this is how we finished last week. Let me just read this for you. That's how we closed out our sermon last week, this phrase. Once filled with hatred for God, despising his precepts, and mocking his beauty, we all were like ants scurrying about beneath his power, repulsed by him. Some of us even grasping for his glory. Then the Spirit of God, by the grace of God, drew us. And not only drew us, but convicted us, converted us, and made us lovers of God, desiring to walk in the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, and to be mindful of the Spirit. Therefore, pleasing God. That is the aim of the Spirit-filled believer, a God-pleasing life. And, 
And with that in mind, I want us to shift into verse 12 and, and read together. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. When I was reading this and going over this in my study and my time and even the different commentaries that I read throughout the week and the, the last few weeks, when I get to verse 13, I was intrigued. Because he said, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So what that made me realize is though I was passive in the pursuit of my salvation, meaning that God came and rescued me when I was dead. I wasn't just sick in my sin. I was dead and incapable of loving him. He came and pursued me and rescued me. But now he says this. He says, put to death the deeds of the body. So real quick before we get into the heart of the message today or the real meat, I want you to hear this because the effects of a spirit-filled life when we hear the word spirit-filled, when we talk about being spirit-filled like we did last week, sometimes we think it's just those certain Christians who walk with their head in the clouds who are so spiritually good that they're no naturally good for anybody. When we, that's what we want to do when we say, well, the spirit-filled life is for people who are really just Jesus freaks, right? Like when we introduce the spirit, that's just for people who really want to go over the top and like, you know... You know, those people in the 1050 that raise their hands, they're the spirit-filled ones. I'm cool with just being filled with caffeine this morning. You know what I'm saying? There are effects that happen. There are things that will happen to you. Things that you'll become passionate about, compassionate about, if you are filled with the Spirit of God. And this is what he's talking about. If you're led by the Spirit, he goes on to say the sons of God are the ones who are led by the Spirit of God. So hear this. If you are led by the Spirit of God today, let, let, let me just go ahead and check. Let, let, me, let me just lay this out. The Spirit of God will never lead you to a place contrary to his word. Can I, can I say that this morning? He may lead you somewhere crazy. He may lead you somewhere that's just absolutely crazy, but he will never lead you somewhere contrary to his word. So before we go any further, when we talk about putting to death sin, what we're going to talk about in just a minute, I want you to know, believer, I want you to know this morning that if you feel an inkling in your life to go a certain direction, or if you hear a man tell you to go a certain direction, and it does not line up with the precious, perfect word of God, run. Run the other way in, from which you were going and run from whoever was saying that. And God probably wouldn't even mind if you called him a heretic. Anyways. When the Spirit of God fills your life and you begin to be led by the Spirit and to walk after the Spirit, a few things need to happen in the believer's life. Now, now hear me this morning when I say it's by grace alone. This is where it gets tricky in the believer's life because if, if a preacher begins to tell you some responsibilities, we automatically want to raise our hand and say what? That's legalism. Don't, don't tell me I can't. Don't tell me that I shouldn't. Don't tell me that I should live holy and abstain from sexual immorality. Don't tell me that I shouldn't gossip about my brother and my sister. Don't, don't 
tell me to live a pure and holy life because, TJ, it's never going to happen anyways. And if you tell me that I should live to a higher standard because I'm purchased by Jesus, you're a legalist. Well, that's hogwash. You say, are you sure? Let's just see what the Word has to say about it. Don't take my word for it. I want to give you some facts about people who are led by the Spirit, purchased by the Spirit, and filled by the Spirit. This is what happens. This is the way you can test yourself this morning. Believer, if you're sitting there and you're like, man, none of these things are happening in my life, then listen, I would confess and repent and ask Jesus to rescue you. So hear this. If you're filled with the Spirit, you will eventually confront your sin. Matthew 5, 29 through 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. Anybody know who said that? Jesus. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. So Jesus is telling me to fight my sin. Absolutely. Jesus is admonishing the people, his people, his sons and daughters, to be passionate about fighting their sin. This is, what we, this is what we want to do. We want to be like the stage show sometimes in California, and we want to, we want to tame the lion, right? Anybody remember that news report not long ago about the guy who tamed and trained and, and put on shows with the same lion for years and years and years? Anybody remember that? It's much like sin. It's what we do. Rather than trying to, to kill sin, rather than trying to fight against sin, we say, no, let me, let me put sin in the cage with me. And I'll keep a chair between myself and sin, and I'll feed it occasionally. I'll keep him happy, and I'll keep him hungry. And rather than confessing and confronting, rather than getting right in sin's face and saying, you're not going to own me anymore, rather than dealing with these things that may be hidden, maybe it's just on a computer screen to where you try to erase your history so nobody sees it. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's that gossip in the back corner that you think nobody knows about. Maybe it's those kind of sins that you're just like, you know, I'll just keep a chair between me and this sin. I'll keep erasing the history, I'll keep just whispering, and all of a sudden it happens just like the lion in the cage with the trainer. The lion turned on him after years, tore him to shreds. Sin does not want to love on you. Sin does not want to be nice to you. Sin does not want to give you anything. It wants to take from you. So I'm pleading with you to hear the word of God this morning. Jesus said, hey, if it's your eye, pluck it out. Jesus was serious, right? He was saying, make war with your sin. Disconnect the internet. Stop hanging out with that same group of friends. If they're influencing you to tear down other believers... Tear down other churches. God forbid that happen in, the, in, in our faith family, but it does. I know it does. So I'm asking you this morning, before we move on from the point, I believe God is looking for men and women who will say yes to that. When he says, cut, pluck out, you know, pop, pop out that eye, sever that limb for the sake of holiness Disconnect the internet. Sever those friendships. Would Jesus want you to do this? There are times. 
if it's that same habitual sin that keeps pulling you down and pulling you down and pulling you down and keeping you from closeness and intimacy with Christ, be bold enough to sever it today. Be bold enough to end the sideshow. Put the tiger out of his misery, put the lion out of his misery, close the cage and walk away. I don't know who that was for this morning, but that's for you. So please listen. Confront your sin. Number two, confess your sin. The effect of a spirit-filled life. If you have the spirit of God living in you, you will be empowered. You say, TJ, this is, a, this is a sin that's gripped me for so long. People don't even know about it. I've been wrestling with this. I've been wrestling with that. The grace of God, if you are led by the spirit, will give you the boldness to confront your sin. Maybe it's even an unhealthy relationship. Maybe it's an unhealthy friendship that you keep going back to and you keep feeding that thing. God will give you the boldness to confront it. But then, listen, God wants to give you the boldness to confess it. To go to a a friend or a family member or a a pastor or a teacher or somebody that you can trust in and confide in that you know are living their life in obedience to the Word of God and His presence. And you can confess your sin. That's what the body was for. That's what this building was for. We didn't build this thing. This thing wasn't supposed to be built to have, you know, for us to play basketball and have a good time and have nice wax floors. The church was built to be gathered together as a family so that we could do life together and that we could kill sin together. So that we could hold each other accountable, that we could, we could call each other up to another standard of living in Jesus Christ because that's what he desires We continually trust, listen, you confront your sin, you confess your sin, but let me spin this back because we continually trust in the sanctifying spirit of God to radically transform us as he promised. Listen to Revelation 5 with me, 9 through 10. And they sang a new song saying this, Worthy are you who take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Do you see what happened there? Paul admonishes, kill your sin. Do we know know that we are going to be absolutely sin-free this side of heaven? You will not be. But are we admonished, are we begged with that we would put a fight to our sin, that we would kick our sin out the door, that we would stop giving in to sin, that we would stop trampling the grace of God, trampling the blood of Jesus to run back to our sin. Yes, so we confront our sin. The Spirit allows us to confess our sin. We continually trust in the sanctifying Spirit of God to radically transform us as He promised. And hear this, we have an active role in putting our sin to death. Colossians 3, 5, if you don't believe me, listen. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Listen, for some of you this morning, you love money so much you would sacrifice your family. You would sacrifice time with your family, the leadership of your home, to chase money. That's some of your struggles this morning. Some of you, your, your eyes and your heart are so filled with lust that you can't hardly focus or function. 
And you're constantly running back to other sources other than your wife or your husband to fill that void and that gap. Listen, you will never have victory over sin, even a little bit, if you continually, and I continually use the cop-out that we're never going to stop sinning anyways. That's true. We're always going to have the evidence of sin that we were marked by, that it scuffed our life. But after we've been redeemed, we were freed from its power. So listen, believer, you have the power this morning. You have the power in the Spirit, if it truly lives in you, to walk away, to confess sin, to confront sin. And to chase after Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. Listen, I I, I know preaching a sermon like this, you're not going to win any Preacher of the Year awards. You know what I'm saying? This is not the kind of sermon that that, that when a preacher's preparing, he's like, man, I'm going to preach today about killing sin and how evident it is in our life and how we we have to continually call each other up. You're thinking, man, you know, that's not the lunch table discussion where everybody's laughing and smiling together. I can't wait to confess my sin. No. It's hard, and it's weighty. But listen, I said it last week. Jesus, in his faithfulness out of obedience to the Father, entered the messiness of humanity to take on our sinfulness. We ought to be ready to get our hands dirty and kill some sin in our life. In short, let me, let me just say this. Make war with your sin. Knowing today that we aren't, we aren't warring against sin to gain favor with God or to think that God will like us anymore. Listen, I, I, I want to be very clear. When we war against sin, that doesn't mean that, that, that God, will, God smiles on us anymore. Listen, he, he loves you right now as much as he'll ever love you. He'll never love you any more or any less. He loves you to the full. Do you hear me this morning, believer? But we war against our sin because sin is inconsistent with our new nature. Do you hear me? We were given a new nature. We were given a new identity. And we're about to walk through the next few verses so we can unpack that a little more. We were given a new name, a new identity, a new family. We were adopted into a family. And sin, that old life of sin, that old life of debauchery, that old life of God-hating is inconsistent with our new nature. That's why we try to put sin to death. That's why we flee from sin. That's why we run from the appearance of evil. That's why we do that. Not to gain more favor with God. He's poured out as much favor on you as he ever will. It happened at the cross. We make war on our sin because sin is inconsistent with the new nature that Christ has given us. And we want to honor God with our lives. See, that's the beauty of of, of grace. He saw that we would sin. He saw that there would be times that we were passionate about fighting our sin. And he saw there would be times that we would be apathetic about fighting our sin. And in grace, he still pursued us. He still cleaned us and he still wanted us. I want to tell you a little bit more about that. Let's go on together. Romans 14 through 17. I'm going to read and then we'll walk back through. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, 
Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. I want you to hear this verse. For all for, all, for many are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. I want you to hear this. The evidence that God has regenerated you and that you are His is that your life will begin to walk in step with His. There is no measure of degree, only that your life is moving towards the cross and reflecting Christ. There's evidence this morning to be able to look at the Scripture and say, am I adopted of God? Has He redeemed me? Let me ask you a question. Are you pursuing the Spirit of God? Are you pursuing the cross? Are you pursuing a Christ-centered, cross-focused life? Are you willing this morning to abandon who you were and chase after the cross? And you say, TJ, that's heavy words, man. That's, that's hard stuff. Listen, Jesus was telling you to pluck out your eye and cut off your hand. I'm just telling you to examine yourself this morning. Is your life directed at the cross? Are you directed at Jesus are you being led by the Spirit? Verse 15 said, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back in again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The, the story, I was reading in a commentary this week, and, and the guy who, I, I read, it was just a book on Romans 8, and the guy said that he was traveling overseas, and he was in Jerusalem, and there was a, there was a, a dad and a son who were trying to get to the wailing wall. They were trying to get to the prayer wall in time, and the, the father was hurrying, 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 and the son would fall a little more behind, a little more behind, a little more behind, and finally the son just quit running. And the writer said that the son yelled, Abba! Abba! And in haste, the, the father turned around, ran back, picked up the son. He didn't encourage him to run faster, tell him to do better. He just picked him up, threw him over his shoulders, and ran towards the wall with him. I want to read you the verse again. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Listen, today, if you're that kid that's chasing, if you have been warring with sin, if you've been attempting to put sin to death in your life, if you've been pursuing Christ and you feel like that kid that's just running and you just can't keep up, listen, just stop. Be still and know that he is God and cry out, Abba, Father, this morning. Sometimes we're afraid to stop and be still and say, God, I need you. But listen, he, he, he's not like us in an instant He'll spin around, run back, and pick us up. And where we could not walk to keep up with him, those things that we could not overcome on our own, those sins that we even couldn't kill ourselves, you know what he did? He picks us up and carries us through him. Colossians says, and I've told you this before, that he conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. He carries you. That's why we put sin to death. Because we've been adopted. We've been made part of a new family. The Father, when there was nothing, we had nothing to offer. We had absolutely nothing to offer. He turned around and he acknowledged us in our enemy, orphaned, stranger state. 
And he picked us up. He said, this is my boy. This is my girl. Listen, dads and moms, I want you to just flip the role real quick. I want you to think from your child's perspective in moments that they need you. And you're there without hesitation. There's a story. Um, I, I was probably seven or eight years old. I want to paint this picture for you because I, I, I know that was heavy and hard that we, we are called in the word to put our sin to death. But I also, he's flipping it here. He wants you to see that there is so much love surrounding you. The adoption of the father. You're sitting at a new table. You've been given a new name and a new identity And regardless of how well you do at killing that sin or how terrible you do at killing that sin, you're never going to be pushed away from the table. You're never going to be rejected. He's never removing that last name. You're marked for life. Would you call out to him? There's a story. I was was seven years old. And uh, we lived on uh, 229 Fire Tower Road in Leesburg, Georgia. I'll never forget this story. Um... I had two sisters, so all the guy stuff I ever did, I pretty much did by myself. And um, as a seven-year-old, we had these dogwood trees in our front yard. And uh, I have no idea. I thought, man, I want to touch the very top. I want to touch the top of this dogwood tree. And uh, so I was seven. I start climbing this dogwood tree. And literally, I've driven past that house now, years later, just a few years ago, actually. And I thought, I looked at the tree, and I was like... I was such a wimp, you know. But I climbed as high as I thought. I I thought I was at the top. I was like seven foot off the ground probably. And I got stuck. Totally stuck. Fear had overcome me. My heart, my whole body, I remember just seizing up and I was terrified. And literally all I had to do was take like two or three steps down and I'd be back on the ground. So I'm screaming, I'm freaking out. I was an emotional kid anyways. I'm freaking out, I'm screaming. And my dad comes out of the house. And I don't even know if he remembers, he remembers this story, but, but he stood under the tree and he was like, just jump, TJ. I was like, no! You know, you're going to drop me. I remember saying that, you're going to drop me. I'm going to die. All these things, right? Literally seven foot off the ground. I remember him saying, no, man, just jump, just jump, just jump, just jump, just jump. So finally, I just let go of the branch, and I fell, and he caught me, and I didn't hit the ground. And over and over in my life, when I felt distant from God, or I felt like God would want to refuse me, or I felt like God was sick of my sin, or that God was sick of TJ, times that I thought God didn't want to answer a prayer, or times that I thought that maybe God was mad at me, God's taken me back to Romans 8, and he's taken me back to that picture on 229 Fire Tower Road where I'm hanging on the limb. He's like, TJ, I'm right here. I promise I'm not going to drop you. You're my son. You're my son. Do you hear the Spirit of God whispering that to you this morning, church? You're my daughter. You're my son. I'm not going to let you fall. I'm not going to let you be abandoned. You're not going to go without. I will provide for you. I will care for you. And I hope you feel that this morning. Listen, adoption for the believer this morning means that you have to stop acting like a slave to that old sin. Stop acting like a slave to fear. You are his. And I just want to give you a few things. Things were taken from you when you were adopted. Your old nature, your old name was removed from your life. And the new name, Christ 
Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory, was applied to your life. And I want you to hear this morning, before we leave, I want you to hear what's been given. Just a few things. Because he loves you, because he's your father, because you're his son and you're his daughter, this is what's given. He's given you power. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us the spirit not again to fear, but of power, love, and of self-control. Not only has he given you power, he's given you grace. James 4.6 says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Not only has he given you power, not only has he given you grace, he's given you love. 1 John 4.7, Beloved, love, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever... Whoever loves has been born of God and knows it. He's given you power. He's given you grace. He's given you love. Listen, he's given you eternal life. John 10, 28. I give them eternal life and they will not perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Last thing, he's given you access to the throne room of God. Psalm 116, 2. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I shall call upon him as long as I live. You were a stranger. You were a God-hating enemy of the cross. And in an instant, you became a son and a daughter. No longer to pick up the scraps from under the table, you've been set in a chair and slid to the table. No matter what brokenness you bring, no matter what sin you bring, no matter what what distance you feel you are away from God this morning, He has drawn you to the table, son and daughter. He's given you power. He's given you grace. He's given you love. And He's given you eternal life. And on top of it all, He's given you every day, minute by minute, second by second, access to His presence. Last thing this morning, and we'll wrap up. It says the Spirit in verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God. Listen, the Spirit of God. You say, well, why are we going back to the Spirit? The Spirit signs off on our adoption. Listen, I want you to hear this. The one who breathed at creation, the one who's marked all through the Old Testament for doing amazing things, the one that raised Jesus from the dead, the one that quickened our dead souls He signed off on your adoption. The Spirit this morning bears witness with our spirit that we're sons and daughters of God. So this morning, let me ask you, are you a son or a daughter? Have you left the slum behind and come to the table of the king? And if so, for those of you who haven't, I pray that you would surrender to Jesus this morning and turn your life to him. If you feel him tugging and drawing your heart, I pray that you would surrender. And for those believers in the room, I want you to hear me. For those of you that are in the cage with your sin and you're, you, you feel comfortable because you've got a chair between you, you've got a delete button on the computer, you've got, you've got that one or two friends that just them I'll gossip to. No, 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 no. Are you willing this morning to say, you're my father, I'm your son, I'm your daughter? I'm pulling up to the table and anything you want, anything you want, I'll do. There's two things that is my prayer for you this morning. Number one is that you would realize that you have the grace 
and the power of God living in you to combat sin. You don't have to live the same way you've always lived. The second thing, that's my first hope for you. My second hope for you, believer, this morning, is that you realize that you are a son or a daughter. If you've been converted, you are a son or a daughter, and everything that God had for Christ has been given to you. You hear me? All power, all authority, all inheritance forever and ever and ever is yours. I hope you feel that sonship rest heavy on your heart. I I hope you feel the grace of being a daughter of the king as his arms wrap around you. I hope the spirit this morning is bearing witness with your spirit that you are a son or a daughter. I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to have a a time of response. And listen, if, if you say, brother, that whole spirit thing is not happening, I want to surrender to Jesus. I want to give my life to him. I feel him calling me. I know I've been sitting on it for weeks. I want to surrender to Jesus. This altar is going to be open. I'm going to be down here. John's going to be down here. But listen, if you're a believer this morning, if you're a believer and you say, man, I, I've just been... I've been in that cage with sin and I've just been playing games at the foot of the cross. I would just ask you to repent. Just repent. As we sing, as we worship, as we pray, just have a conversation with God. God, God, help me confront my sin. Help me confess my sin. Help me realize that I'm in your family, God that I have a new name and a new identity, and and God, that that sin is inconsistent with who you are, and and I don't want to run back to that old life. I don't want to run back to that old family. God, I want to live in the now. I want to live in your presence. I want to live as a son or daughter of the King. Let me pray for you. Father, you've given us so much grace. God, you are the Father that stands underneath our fears with your arms outstretched, compelling us to abandon all hope in everything else, God. You compel us to quit white-knuckling the limbs of the tree and to let go and to fall into your capable arms. That's you, God. So I pray this morning as we as we sing together, as we just for a few minutes, God, we sit in your presence. I pray that you would give us the boldness and the courage to know that you love us right where we are, but you love us too much, so let us stay here. God, we love you. We pray you do a work in our hearts that we know we can't do. In Jesus' name, amen.